0: This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high,
1: beat. Right beat. high Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph.
0: Let's check in with Greg Murphy. Murphy got a special guest, huh? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Glove Stories with Murph, presented by the Parks Casino Sportsbook app. It is good to have you with us for this week, and it is really good to have this next guest with us. He's a 13-year veteran in Major League Baseball. His last two seasons with the Philadelphia Phillies, and what a special time to be part of the Phillies organization, a 2008 World Series champion. We welcome Scott Ayer into the program. Scott, good to see you.
1: You too, Murph. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I know you yes. just got off the field, so you're still yeah. involved in the game, but uh, but we're going to get uh, into the career of Scott Ayer and, and oh. into the head of Scott Ayer, because oh. we know you as, as, as one of the real fun-loving guys that uh, came through the Phillies organization, always uh, great to be around and always uh, enjoyable to listen to and to talk about yes. the game that you love. So that's what we're going to do today. And, uh, you know, I wonder you know, when thinking back, so 13 years, parts of 13 years in the big leagues, but it started well before that. Um, what do oh, you yeah. remember? What's what's your first baseball memory? Was it always baseball for you?
1: Um, yes. Um, and like I was saying, it, we had an ottoman. My parents would just tell me that before I could actually walk, you know, you do that couch crawling and all that stuff, the fun stuff, walking along the furniture. Well, I would put my ball on the ottoman. I had that one little red bam, bam bat. It was probably, you <laughs> know, Yep. 11, nine inches long at that age, you know, I don't even know how old I was, but whack it, crawl to the ball, come back. And she said, I did it for 45 minutes at a time, then would just fall asleep.
0: Oh, how about that? Um,
1: but so that was one of the first things is I, I had my first bit, memories of baseball are pl- waiting for my dad to get home from uh work <clears throat> with the T ball. Well, God, <clears throat> with a uh, wiffle ball and bat after he's worked eight hours all day in the hot sun and. I expected to throw for an hour to me.
0: Yeah, and he you and know. he probably did, and 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 he probably you know, did, and, and 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 you know there you are, a big leaguer many many years later. I'm sure that was uh, very special for the whole family. Is it a true yeah. story that that your brother Willie was named after Willie Mays? Is that is that true? It's yes and legend? no, I guess,
1: as my, <laughs> Yes and no, as my mom says, <clears throat> they were gonna name him William James, I think, after a, a family friend, and then. my mom always tells a story that my dad missed his birth because he was playing softball up in northern California. we lived grew up in southern california (laughs) and when she went into birth and had him she said i'll piss him off by naming him william mays instead of (laughs) william james is what i think it was supposed to be but she's never actually said honestly truthfully looked at us and said i'm telling you the truth or not (laughs) so we all go with it it's funny you know it's a good story
0: yeah absolutely All right, so uh, Little League and, and high school baseball, um, were you involved in other sports or, or was it baseball year-round for you?
1: Baseball was it for me. I But I grew up, and I guess nowadays they're more centralized. During basketball season, we played basketball, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. During
1: football season, we played football outside uh, in California, not in the snow, in Utah, in the snow. Um, <laughs> uh, but as soon as it was time for baseball, I played baseball, only baseball, and that's all I ever thought about and talked about. Uh, But I did grow up loving, I love playing basketball. I love playing tackle or touch football for flag football, whatever with friends in the yard and things like that. But baseball was always it for me. It was, I I would say, a craving, not as a passion at the same time, but more of a craving. I hated when it was over and was more excited than anybody when it was about to start. So,
0: yeah, you know, and that's, that seems to be, well, I would say most players that get to the big leagues have that kind of passion and love not everyone not everyone so no, not everyone You're no just, not everyone yeah you have that the talent and it takes you to where to the big leagues but uh, you obviously had your eyes on the big leagues and thought to yourself at what point did you say to yourself hey you know what I've got a chance you know you get drafted out of college uh you know you get drafted out of college did you think at that point that you were going to be able to um, get to
1: the big leagues I I honestly had I was a very naive young kid and to be honestly truthful I didn't actually know how the minor leagues worked when I got drafted to into the minor leagues. I didn't know I kind of knew that there was a single a, a double. I didn't really know that in college. That's when I was, at, I was at Southern Idaho. I didn't really think about it. I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing pitching, you know, for them. And when I got told I got drafted, I went to instructional league and no one really I heard the kids talking about they were in this league or that league and the A ball double it doesn't really get thrown out as much cuz you just know what league it is. Well, I didn't. So, okay. I didn't really know where some guys, like they were talking about this one kid I was in, uh, I can't remember his name. I was thinking about it. They're talking about his, the way he throws, he threw like a, a Fosh ball almost like this instead of a split finger. He threw in between these fingers. Okay. And it was, he had some ridiculous strikeout numbers. He was like a late inning guy. And I didn't realize when they were talking about he was in Tulsa that he was in double A. I thought they were in, it was like his first year or something. And no, he, when I, when I saw him, I'm like, well, oh, that guy's been playing a while. You just look at him <laughs> and you're like, He's got full. I had no facial. He's like he's got full beards. Got some tattoos. Yeah, he's been he's playing. A grown
0: man, day. at that point, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, the fun, the best one I tell is so I go from college. I didn't sign in August that till August that year. So I went to instructionally in 1991. So I'm throwing my second ever bullpen <laughs> session, I'm throwing a bullpen session with, and I looked at that guy next to me, and he's got this little funky right. He's right footed, tall, little toe tap, and he grunts the good ball went about 100 miles an hour rob Nen. okay <laughs> okay yeah so, so here's yeah. this little lefty about six foot maybe 142, 143 pounds a ish. i'm throwing about 87 i feel like i'm throwing hard and i throw a curveball and he stops and he goes that was pretty nasty and i'm looking up and i'm thinking you just in my mind i swear to god I, i'm thinking you just threw a ball that went about 100 miles an hour oh, that's yeah. nasty
0: yeah, but he couldn't even one off it. like you.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, and this one, I became his. Team. He was my teammate years later with the Giants, so yeah. he remembered semi part of that story.
0: He was a special player for sure. Oh yeah, and yeah. You oh, yeah. talk Good about man. a live arm, man. Oh man. Cool. So you were a starter. Were you, were you cool. a starter all through the minor leagues?
1: Yeah, I actually. Yeah. I only I only relieved a few games. I when I got sent back down in '99, I was down as a reliever for the first mm-hmm. time ever. But for the most part, I was a starter through the minor leagues um and i was told by a couple different guys i'd most likely end up a reliever not and not as a as a diss like they weren't saying you don't know, have good enough stuff my energy is what i think made me a better reliever than starter um that that everybody's different i was i'm not built for the energy focus of 7 innings locked in like like a cole hamels like right you know could tell you every pitch he threw in the 3rd second and fourth batters of the fourth inning yeah. you know I still. didn't get like, that. yeah, you know, you still probably remembers. I I can remember certain things like that. You there?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Okay.
1: I can remember certain things like that. I think it's my iPad. It's got cracks in it, so I think it's moving the screen, honestly. Um, yeah, it's just the camera. So I just, you know, I, I just, I, I enjoyed the bullpen. I didn't think it was. I know there's, I play with guys who were dissed and, oh, I shouldn't be in the bullpen. I should be starting. Well, you're not. You're in the bullpen with us, so enjoy it. Yeah, you
0: know, it's funny because there, I guess there was a time and and I think that time has passed, but there was a time where we looked at the bullpen as the guys who could no longer start. So then they slide into the bullpen. That, that has changed completely in baseball, you know, current baseball, the way it is now that these relievers are as important, if not sometimes more important than the mm-hmm. starters uh, on these teams. But, uh, but you know, I, I would say, and, you know, like you said, your teammates would say that they thought you were better suited for the bullpen you know when we stop and think about uh bullpen mentality and bullpen, bullpen personality yeah, i think yeah. you fit perfectly in that in that group yeah. of, of guys that sit out there right wouldn't you say that
1: yeah i i do because i think you have to have a a up and down type temperament like i i can deal with the bad and the good all the same yeah you know it's just kind of let it go the next day is the next day and move on uh it was something that was kind of easy for me i got pissed off when i do my job didn't do my job obviously you know you get upset but there's sure. nothing you can do about it so just be ready for the next day and hope you get in and you get someone like charlie Manuel and they stick you in the game after you give up two homers you know something awesome in the guy he did yeah. that to me
0: <laughs> you know it's funny so you bring up charlie Manuel and i was going to ask you about this because when i was looking uh you know looking at some of the stuff uh, in your career man you played for some unbelievable baseball i did moves. In the big leagues, there are guys: Charlie Manuel, Buck Martinez, Dusty Baker, Felipe Alou, Lou Pinella. I mean, you talk yeah. about a, a who's who of managers in the last <laughs> twenty years. You got you got a chance to play for them all. How how different were they from one another?
1: So different. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Jerry. When Jerry was my manager with the White Sox, it was his first year. He was new. He was feeling himself out. Um, he had he kind of kind of tried to keep the younger kids in line um because our veteran crew was pretty good i had like frank thomas and robin ventura and albert bell so he didn't really have to do a whole lot but tra- he, he did a good job keeping the younger kids feeling involved and stuff like that um he did a, i thought I, I i enjoyed pitching for him like i said he was learning back then and he became went on to become a pretty good manager yep, later on enjoy. um but like my favorite was obviously charlie but my favorite was felipe in San Francisco,
0: Great guy, we, yeah.
1: we have very much the same temperament. We talked about fishing a lot, uh, deep sea fishing. He's telling us about stories about growing up in Cuba and fishing and things like that. And, uh, it, it was just, uh, so much fun. We talked yeah. about fishing once on the mound.
0: <laughs> when he came out to take the ball for me,
1: he came out to take me out of the game. I got my guy out and I, I want, I want to say we were at home. Um, Against the Padres, you know, I I want to say I forget who it was, but it was a lefty. He popped up, and as he was taking me out of the game, he said, "Hey, you uh, you going fishing this weekend?" Because <laughs> we had, or the next week, we had a day off, and I said, "Yeah, I'm going on Tuesday." Yep, yeah, I'm going. He goes, "Oh, me too."
0: <laughs> so, are you saying that uh, like Dusty Baker never talked fishing with you out on the mound?
1: No, he just took us fishing. He, he I went in 06. We went we went on a trip to Minnesota and he knew someone that took us It was me and Jock Jones. Oh, cool. I think, I don't remember if Dempster went with us or not, but there was four or five of us and he took us out to these little boats and we went fishing. And he's man he's, I grew up, a I grew up a Dodger fan. So sitting in a boat with dusty Baker, chomping on a toothpick, drinking his little hot tea or whatever, telling me stories was like the coolest thing for me ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that sounds pretty cool.
1: That's yeah. Right. I mean, gosh,
0: yeah. And, and, you know, I, I looked at your career, you know, going back and looking at it and looking at it completely, I would say, you know, in your, in your 13 years in the big leagues, you, first of all, you, you played on some really good teams, you played for some really great managers um, and you got a chance to play in three world series, one of which yeah. you won. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but what do you remember about the uh, the first world series, world series back in 2002 with the Giants um, because if you look at your postseason numbers, your your numbers in the postseason are excellent. They really are. I mean, straight on through. So, do you, you remember what it was like? That Was the pressure? It obviously didn't get to you too much, right?
1: I've told this story for a long time, and it's honest to God. It was with Rob Dan. We were in Anaheim, and I was warming up for my first game, and I was going to possibly go in. And I usually warmed up pretty quick. And this day, I was, it was a little longer. And you could see, and I was. To, I, I to, now I look back at it. I'm like, he was right. I was like, whew, mm-hmm. a lot more deep breaths, trying to control. There was a lot of people and a lot of those clappings, thunder slap things. Yeah. Those were big that year. And my ADHD and all that. That really, it really bothered me. I was like, I, and I wasn't on pills yet then. I right. just started taking them actually. Um, so it was a little different for me, honestly and truthfully. But and he gave, he literally gave me the old Hoosiers line. It's still 60 feet, six inches, still the same strike zone. And he, I, I wish I could remember the umpire we had that. night. I could look it up, I guess. But and he told me, he goes, you got such and such behind the plate. You know, Maybe it was Joe West. He goes, you got Joe West behind the plate. You know his strike zone. I'm like, yeah, we were talked about it. So we had a meeting about umpire strike zones, like where they tended to sure. permeate to. And so he's like, you got this, no problem. And I, I swear to God, the next pitch I threw, I was like, okay, I feel better now. And I was oh, how about oh, that? made the world to me?
0: How about was that?
1: A, uh, and I don't remember who I went. I think I went in the face. I think I wouldn't. I'd have to look it up. You don't want to say it and get it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was Adam Kennedy. Um, but it I went all right. Him. Yeah, huh? Yeah,
0: and it went all right.
1: Yeah, it went all right.
0: Yeah, that that's it's interesting. You know, a lot, but, lot of fun. But, when I sit here and talk to to the former guys uh, on this podcast and, and, you know, everybody has a story about a guy, you know, that, that kind of said something or did something that made oh, them yeah. say, you know what, I belong here, you know, because everybody has that self-doubt at some point. Um, You know, oh. I remember Mike Schmidt telling me that he didn't think he belonged in the big leagues for the first six, seven years he was there. And, you know, it's like, it's hard to believe. It's crazy. Guy, yeah. With that talent but until Pete Rose came in every day and told him that he was the best third baseman's ever played, he didn't believe it. And, and so mm-hmm. Rob Nen appears to be one of those guys for you, obviously.
1: It was, I had back to back too, because in San Francisco, just before I got traded, I had Dan Plesak. Okay. That'll so be Plesak, you know, yeah. good Philly. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he actually took the time after the 2001 season where I was like that four a player, I'm sorry, four a player. And, uh, like I'd get, I'd go to a AAA and, dom- and I don't say dominate, but do very well. Right. Exceed above my expectations. And then I'd get to the big leagues and I would struggle a little bit more. I was nervous, a little intimidated. And all of a sudden this off season, I get home and there's a letter in my bag. I didn't even see it till I got home. It was in an envelope and it talked about, you got stuff, you got a, it a, well, basically in a nutshell, his saying is trust your stuff and believe, or trust yourself and believe in your stuff. Wow. So, something like that, I, wow. I still have the letter. Oh, yes, yeah, police stack wrote it the next year, and it said in the letter, it said next year you and me throwing partners. So I get the spring training in 02, and we're throwing partners. He's teaching me all this other stuff, and you know, it's kind that's of fun, amazing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, everybody needs a mentor like that, and uh, he, he, and not everybody gets great one. one.
1: That's, that's the sad yeah. thing, is not everybody gets one. Yeah, not so, everyone I, gets know, one. We're lucky, we're lucky. So.
0: And you know, and, and that's what I'm saying, you know, in, in looking back at your career, I know you I know you feel this way. I'm sure you feel this way, but you know what? You were you were really lucky in so many ways. I mean, you oh, yeah. worked hard, you had the talent, but you know, you were on good teams with good players and good teammates, and and all of that makes for a special, you know, 13 years in the big leagues, I would imagine, right? I
1: say also to add to that list, you said a good talent, all a good manager put you in yeah the, in situations to succeed. You know, I wasn't getting thrown out through the bases loaded, no outs every outing because mm-hmm. then you just eventually you're going to look like crap I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: top, you know but eventually i mean so i got a good manager put me in good situations and yeah some good bullpen coaches along the way as well
2: All my right, favorite
1: um, to this day is and i i'll make i'll make uh someone else mad but mick bill myers greatest we're he's, gonna get him
0: on one of these days Absolutely. he's above and
1: beyond the best guy to have out there the most fun you can have with a dude out there yeah. without getting in trouble yep yep and but then when it came time to business, man, if I'm ready, if, if Durbin and myself are warming up, he'll go over the whole scenario with you. Hey, Durbz, if you go in the game, they're going to pinch hit this lefty. Scotty. you go in there, probably going to let this guy hit. And then, pit, and then you knew exactly what was going on. And again, he would go back to the meeting, how we get this guy out? And that's how he warmed up. So he was awesome.
0: Yeah. You know, that 2008, you know, for a couple of years there, that staff that Charlie put together and that yeah. the, the front office put together in Philadelphia was the perfect group of guys. To coach the perfect group of guys to get to where you eventually got to and mick bill Meyer's a guy that doesn't get talked about a lot you know bullpen coach a bullpen catcher uh at the time yeah. but um but man oh man i we used to sit on the back of the bus with him and you, you talk about a you oh. know a guy that would just make you laugh oh constantly my god. and you need that out there as you guys sit and watch the game and tense moments you need a guy that's oh my god there, right?
1: i bought him the i bought another irrelevant dvds but i bought him the seinfeld set the, the full set on dvd for his uh world series president gave to him in 09 and he's looking at it, he's like i'm gonna cry <laughs> but i can't you know how he talks like yeah he went straight into funny mode oh what a dude man
0: what a what a great guy well let me ask you so i, I asked you okay. about a couple other managers how about lou Pinella? what was what was it like playing <laughs> for him
1: i was excited super excited because the guy's like a baseball legend yeah but i started 07 off <clears throat> i started off horribly <laughs> leaving balls out in the middle of play couldn't get lefties out getting righties out for some stupid reason couldn't get lefties out though so i was useless and it's just you know I, I have nothing bad to say about him i, I just didn't pitch well the first half and then, the out, second, yeah. and then you know, and everybody knows you know he's not the best with he's not the best with pitchers right. um and and again not nothing that he had a successful career i mean there's nothing i'm not being critical at all i'm just like i didn't fit his mold right um i i like to laugh and joke and stuff even when we're losing because how do you again you're it's you're going to play the next day right so i mean there's nothing you can do about it some days you will lose one nothing some days you win 17 to one and you only get three hits and it just is what it is and i laughed all the time <laughs> so i don't think we are a good match but then you know and then 08 came and i hurt my hurt my uh hurt my elbow my elbows bothered me in spring training I, I got my first ever cortisone shot and then it felt fantastic but i spent like two and a half weeks in triple a double a single a because i don't think he really wanted me back up yet okay when i came up i was up for a while and then all-star break went and then i got ended up in philly yeah so
0: yeah and and the rest is history so all right let's let's backtrack a little bit because when you arrived in chicago um you came i believe with a little bit of the reputation that you did like to (laughs) have some fun right and you ran into your your new teammate ryan dempster who is a yeah. renowned prankster yeah and you guys uh you guys get it off right away right
1: <laughs> yeah it, brian's i mean ryan's an amazing teammate let alone a good pitcher and everything else but and he's doing a wonderful job on tv now um but yeah he came I, I and i wasn't like a big prankster i like to tell jokes or like one-liner comebacks to kind of get a giggle you know things like that not more pranks ryan is a master pranker <laughs> yes he is <laughs> um you know he once took Will Omen's tires off his and jacked his truck up and put his tires around the stadium in Mesa. That's like one was it, one, one of his big old tires was in the bullpen in Mesa. And Owen walks down there and he's like, Oh, what? Wait, that's mine. You know, <laughs> then he had one hidden in the showers, hit them all. So that's that's the lengths Ryan went to joke. So I wasn't like it when we were talking about that. And he's like, Yeah, we'll get him anyways. So we get into spring training or spring training is over we're in our, I think it's the second game of the season. And he says, Hey, I'm doing an interview uh, on ESPN or something like that. And he says, uh, run by and pie me in the face. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, it'll be great. You sneak up on me. So I can't see you. So he went, he made it like a big deal out of it. After I him. he was like, we got video footage. We can see the legs and the shoes. So I'll just do some analysis. You know, he went into a funny little skit and that was how, that's how it started in Chicago for me, I guess in 06. And, but I, I was i like to i wouldn't say pranks you know right some stuff in the minor leagues with haunted maybe or not haunted hotels we like to prank guys but that's different
0: <laughs> yeah well and that still happens in the bigs too on in a couple oh, of that. places <laughs> the, the fist the
1: fister in milwaukee yeah yep, exactly that's, right that's i've got haunted. a story
0: or two from the fister in milwaukee oh, yeah. but that's for another time as well yeah. oh yeah uh, <laughs> tell me about uh who who was the who was the funniest teammate around you know we we heard on that 08 team um that uh one of the guys that was sneaky funny was chooch right i mean he was the guy oh, that's, hilarious. Uh, yeah, that would get you guys going in the clubhouse. Well. he was
1: even more hilarious because him saying it in his head in spanish and then translating <laughs> it to english and still getting back and forth and stuff was the most funny part the yeah. way it came out sometimes but dude he would he would someone would say something he would go right right for the jugular like talk about the two walks you had last night He's like you know, he's like, Hey, we'll see, he throw the ball down the place? stop walking two guys. And the way he said it, oh, he was amazing. He's probably in my top five for funniest teammates. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I and I've heard that. And I I was lucky enough to be around Chuch for a long time too. And he's one of my top five favorite guys to have covered because he That's, was yeah. such an easygoing, you know, quick to quick to joke around, always pleasant kind of guy. So um it, it was always fun to be around him. Oh. Boy. Yeah, we can see your pretty face. That, that's, that's that's good. So so way, now tell me you arrive in Philadelphia. You're you're coming, you know, you're coming <laughs> off of uh, you know, maybe not pitching the best in your career at that point, but you come to Philadelphia, everybody knows this team is loaded, and they, you know, Pat Gillick's looking for some little bit of extra help in the bullpen just to kind of solidify things. And the moves that he made, you being one of them, mm-hmm. man, you talk about putting in the perfect pieces. You fit into that bullpen from day one. Did you not? I mean, did you feel that?
1: I I felt like that. Yeah. I mean, I felt like a piece of the family member. uh, Once I got to the bullpen and, I tell the joke we're talking tell the one I was telling you about <laughs>
0: yeah if you want to t- tell it very uh <laughs> t- tell us quickly as you can how's that
1: <laughs> yeah well maybe here's with another story
0: yeah yeah Let, let's just say you guys like yeah. to pull some pranks on one another and you know yeah, there's did. only one bathroom in the bullpen so sometimes yeah. that was the place where where things that was a place were where if you
1: did something special <laughs> things were left yes and for yeah. all to see we'll let uh we'll
0: let let the folks figure that out my
1: favorite bullpen game was getting free food so let's just be real yeah exactly
0: (laughs) now from the fans or from uh
1: from the barbecue place or from uh chicken behind us oh and chickies and pizza they drop down fries and cheese sauce all the time
0: (laughs) yeah because that's what you guys are doing before you get in
1: there right before you need to go into the game where it's 95 degrees out.
0: yeah 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 it's it's always a smart way to, to go about it Tell me a little bit about uh, Rich Doobie, because, you know, Rich is um, obviously the pitching coach for the Phils at the time, but uh, a very serious guy on the outside. But when you get to know Rich, he, he again, is one of those guys that uh, has a great sense of humor. What was it like pitching for him?
1: It took me a while to figure out there was a humorous side on the inside, because like you said, so stern on the outside. And then once I got to know him, I was like, oh, I got you now. So, you know, do your job is basically what he wanted you to do. Exactly take pride and do your job. And that's the type of people that I excel for. You know, that's, that's what my personality responds to is someone like him. You know, I had Dave Vergetti in San Francisco, who was the same thing. He was all serious during the game. Then you go have drinks after the game, talk, talk all the smackaloni you want. But during the game, and it took me a while to understand how to, like we said, with my, with my happy go luckiness, how to get to an even keel where I wasn't, too happy go lucky and wasn't too serious because when i got too serious i was kind of a jerk
0: okay
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> well that's not that's you that's what, why to answer your question I, about start reliever i think that's what i was because when i the day i started i went into like scott mode and no talk mode and i was kind of a kind of a jerk like um you know not talking to people just kind of grunting at people and right basically ignoring everybody and everything in life for a couple hours before i started and that wasn't me
0: yeah yeah Which is probably why you were more successful in that reliever role because it was you at that point. You can't ignore everybody every day because you might pitch every day. So, you know, at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So you come over to Philadelphia, you're you feel very comfortable right away. You you pitch very well right away. The whole team is really clicking in August and September. I mean, things were just happening. The city uh, was alive I mean it had been a long time before since uh, we had a team a baseball team in Philly that had a chance to win it
1: it was more than alive it was electric <laughs> yeah
0: it really was it really was and you know people who are listening are, are Philly's fans for the most part so they remember what was it like for you guys each night to see the 45,000 plus in the seats to hear it and 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 to be winning you know alongside of it to, to keep it going
1: I think at the end of the season, when you're in a pennant race like that, definitely what it was beyond electric. It was almost high voltage when we played the Mets. Yeah, but then the Braves came into town right after. But then when an out-of-town team comes in, it's not in our our uh, our, our uh, division, our division or anything. It, you would think it would drop off. Heck, no! They were just as loud every night, every game. It was almost a contest to see. And the closer we got to wild card and then the, you know the division the closer we got the louder it got every night the more rowdy it got i, I there's a reason they were that philly was on my no trade list <laughs> it sucks as a visitor to pitch there um
0: but man oh I, man I been had, there had, and had, it's the best I,
1: I had such a bad taste in my mouth about that place that i didn't even yeah. want to ever go back yeah but i'm so glad that when you know my agent called and said paula you called and know wants to trade the trade i was like' oh, i'm in <laughs> driving my back from I was driving my RV back. I was in Valdosta, Georgia. It was hot, hot, hot in Valdosta. Just driving home. And all of a sudden, he said, The Phillies want to trade on, you know. I said, Yep, I'm good. I'll be there tomorrow. Because you knew that they had a chance, right? Well, not even. I didn't even know where their record was. Oh. Somebody um, I wanted out of Chicago.
0: Yeah.
1: Like for no other reason than I wasn't pitching. And like I said, I didn't pitch the greatest, but couldn't get into games even to fix anything so right. it was a waste of my time so i'm very lucky and blessed that they traded me or put me on waivers so i could be, and someone once someone claimed you i was like i'm in they want me yeah so, yeah
0: and like i, I said you didn't know, know what
1: their record was till i got to philly no joke. <laughs> you looked
0: around you're like oh wow, i knew they those were in it i knew <laughs> they
1: were either in second or third place but i didn't know how close in the wild card at all yeah. because you know it's, we weren't we were we were leading our division and for in chicago so we weren't really paying attention to yeah. and, you know you know, it's, well, it's interesting.
0: So you're the, you're one of the new guys in town. You know, late in that oh, yeah. season, Matt Stairs obviously joins the team at that point. You well, know, a couple there's a couple of guys that join, but but you had had postseason and World Series experience. Were were you able to a lean on it yourself and be able to kind of you know, I mean, obviously there were a lot of leaders on that team, but still, were you able to oh, say, yeah. hey, guys, this is what it's going to be like?
1: Well, we also had Lidge who had been in the playoffs. Yeah. You know. Yeah things like that so actually the bullpen when we went out that was one of the coolest things by the way when I first got traded there all the bullpen went to eat as soon as we landed in the city boring, it was in time to eat not three in the morning right uh but we all went they all went to eat as a group all the oh. time and I thought that was awesome so we yep. did that when we landed in uh where was it I just lost my train of thought
0: in, in Tampa for the world in Tampa, yeah when we
1: landed yeah. in Tampa I was going to go home but I'm like Cause we got in kind of late and I'm like, I'm just going to go home. But he's like, No, nah, I'm, I'm going to go eat. So we went an eight and glitched and everybody, we've talked about different things like that. You know, like it's the same. Got to, got to be ready to play. They may, we talked about how in the playoffs, actually we talked about the difference in let, letting, starters go like, you know, they five innings. Well, they got to get them out get the relievers in. So we right. talked about having to be ready. Maybe like me pitching, getting out of a jam in the fifth inning because there's JC still. And he was so dominant. But like, yeah. you know, instead of being and he we talked about stuff like that. You hey, you may derive, you may get used in the fifth inning to get out of a jam because you know they'll shorten the game up and extend the Bryant and the Madsons, you know, and the and the Lidgers. Right. So we talked about things like that, yeah.
0: And that makes a huge difference when you when oh. then when you're in the situation, you're ready for it. You're prepared.
1: <clears throat> I think so. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's everybody understands what it's like. We talked about, like I talked about, they asked me about what it was like losing it in case yeah. we lost. What like, well, sucks? And you didn't realize it. You didn't realize it until you actually got home the next day. Like, man, we lost. Yeah, that's you know, you're walking back to your thing, you're just thinking, Oh, we just lost a game. You didn't realize it's the last game of the year. <clears throat> so, or,
0: yeah, only one team can win that last game of the year. Uh, yep, uh, that's the yep. way it works. But when you do do it, and you do it in a city like Philadelphia, so. tell me about the, the parade because I, I love hearing the parade stories. There's a great photo of you online during the parade. Um it was for for Philadelphia, it, it's something that we'll never forget. Um, I, I can't imagine what it was like from your perspective.
1: Um, it's 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 uh gracing conjury in from the bullpen tearing our jackets off, saying, I'm gonna get there first. I'm no, I'm gonna get there first. Uh I can't get my jacket off my right arm. He's yelling stuff like that as we're running in. It was the longest run ever. Like it just seemed like it was never ending, and then I got a. I have a jigsaw puzzle, and it was. I guess it was not just for me, but there's a picture. You know, Shane's the the jumping yep. picture. You see that? Well, if you watch long enough, there's a second jump on the pile, and that's this guy.
0: Okay. <laughs> so someone must wait for it. Wait for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, I'll be there in a minute.
0: <laughs> you were at uh, second. Well, Shane had a head start. He was someone, in center. So
1: someone must have snapped another picture because I have a I have a jigsaw puzzle, and it's got me with my arms out, kind of up in the air kind of half jumping forward and i'm like oh my god i made it
0: so great so great um, you know and it's like it's those moments but uh but then and then from the parade when you're looking out over the million i of, mean of philadelphians
1: for me it's amazing I, I i don't know if i'll ever see anything it was like serious i mean everybody probably uses the same phrase a sea of red mm-hmm. but the coolest part was as you're going down the street you know down all the sub side streets <laughs> people yep. on light posts and lampposts and top of shoulders sitting on top of it was pretty cool i got on i mean it makes you feel i guess egotistically like oh yeah that's us that's us but then you sit and think about it and i actually thought about because my kids were on the float with me doing the confetti and we had a confetti machine so they were pouring in there for hours until they, i think they actually fell asleep <laughs> but i got to watch them and I, it made me think about when you're a kid and you're playing in your front yard doing your brother and you're just, The third pitch, third out of the world. And you jump in, you know, I did all that as a kid with my brothers. And, you know, we talked about it and then swung and missed on purpose so we could strike out so we could do the knees on the ground thing. And it was all orchestrated as a kid. But then you get to adult and and you run around like, who am I supposed to hug? Like, I, I, in my mind, consciously that year, made sure I found Pedro Feliz because he was my teammate with the Giants.
0: Okay, right. We
1: lost. So, and he was third baseman that year a little bit, him and David Bell. Um he just I ran around and made sure there was a couple guys on the team that I knew, you know, from past things and things like that. So it made it a little the transitional easier. Plus the clubhouse just ran itself. Everybody knew exactly when to do what and when not to do what and who not to talk to after a game. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any of those, thank goodness. Yeah. Well, maybe.
0: Who's clothes not to freeze right after a game? <laughs> yeah,
1: who's closed not to freeze? Yeah. They might yeah. get upset and want we'll to fight you
0: exactly i think i know a couple of those guys but at the end it, it all it all worked out because each of those parts that that made that championship team was necessary and uh oh yeah and it and then on that note we'll end on this because I, I know you have a special relationship with charlie Manuel, and yeah. he was the perfect guy to to oversee that particular group of men at that time and um you know i know when you first got to Philadelphia, I, th- I believe it was the first day you went in, and Doobie's in his office. Charlie's there, and You're they said, you we're gonna, "Yeah, we're going to let you. We're going to put you on." They told you they were going to put you on the IL, right? And you said, "No, let's." Pick. Oh yeah, hey.
1: I got to call it the IL yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I forget guess. that. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. At, Pat Gillick was in there, I believe. Amar Ruben Amaro was in there. You know, do, uh, everybody was in there, and he said, "Yeah, we want you to go on the IL for, you know, you can retroactive it." And before he could finish. And say, you know, eight days back, I looked at Charlie and I go, I just want to pitch. I'm ready. And he goes, well, hell, all right, let's go then. <laughs> and that was it. That was the, I. He decided, I decided I didn't need to go on the DL. I went in and passed my physical. Uh, and I pitched. I don't know if I pitched that night or the next night. I think I pitched the next night. But I only threw like one or two pitches and I got a win. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's how it begins. Right. And, and then the confidence builds. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's Charlie, awesome. uh, he was a special guy. And I know, like I said, I know you have a great relationship with him because he was one of those guys yeah, that I think let you guys be you. Right.
1: He did. He, you know, the man walked around the, the game in his baseball uniform for at least 30 minutes after the game, every night, <laughs> he, loves he was, it, he, it was like, a, yeah, he does. Be, I mean, it's Im- embedded in his bones. He loves it so much. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was a pleasure to get to play for him because you could see, like i said as a kid i had that passion and he still has it you know Whew, man would we'll watch baseball all day if he could
0: yeah well you know what you still have the passion too because you can hear it in your voice And you know, you're, you're still involved in the game and and you're coaching now and and, and doing all that stuff but uh the, the yeah. beauty of it is in that 13 year career and three postseason uh experiences for you you win a world series in philadelphia and you will forever be linked to to <laughs> one of the best eras of Phillies baseball. And that that I I would imagine when, when it's all said and done, you look back, that's gotta be pretty special, right?
1: It's pretty cool. It makes me smile ear to ear. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. I think I say I have my ring in my my closet right over there.
0: Yeah. Well, don't tell people
1: where it is. <laughs> yeah, no, i I take it to feel with me every day
0: yeah there you I go there place. you go well you know what the guys that earn that ring it is a it is a very special uh thing for sure oh, yeah. and uh well look we are so glad that you can come on here and then tell us a couple stories and uh and be with us here on on glove
1: stores all right man Well, it was fun thank you yeah scott air right, 2008 ramble, World what's that what's i said that? i start to ramble man
0: no, you were terrific. You were terrific. That's what people want to hear. They want to hear it from uh, the heart. Scott Ayer, joining us here on Glove Stories with Murph. We'll be back right after this. Glove Stories with Murph is presented by Parks Casino Sportsbook app. New users, download an app store or click parkscasino.com PA and use the promo code MONEY for first bet, risk-free, up to $500. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. GAMBLER. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Glove Stories with Murph, and we welcome in Larry Boa as we relive another game from that magical season of 1980. Larry, good to see you.
2: All right, Murph, good to see you.
0: All right, so we are going to jump into a game Saturday, July 12th, 1980, and at this point of the season, about halfway through, maybe a little bit more than halfway through, the Phillies sit atop of the NLEs for the first time since the first week of the season. You had just gotten there a couple of days later, and it's not going to last very long, but <laughs> we're going to celebrate it while it does because you're on All top right. right there. So you're you're a half game up in the East, and you're taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we have, we've talked about a couple of games with the Pirates. They were a tough lineup from top to bottom, but their arms were good, too. This matchup, a good one. Steve Carlton for you guys. Jim Bibby for the Pirates. What can you tell us about Jim uh, Bibby?
2: Mer- Bibby sort of goes under the radar. 6'6". Six, six, uh, huh. And I know the radar guns are, are, are different now, but if they use the guns now, he's 95, 96. Uh, Very intimidating. And, again, anytime we played that team, the gold and the black, it was an arch rival, yeah. and I don't think we got in a fight that night. But normally when we play them, <laughs> the bench is empty. But if you go up and down that lineup, the Madlocks, the Parkers, the Foley's, the Garner, San I mean, Bill Robinson, top to bottom, there were no easy outs. Every time we played them, we knew it was going to be a dogfight. No one was going to run away with a game. And the intensity level, for some reason, Murph was off the charts. We didn't like them. They didn't like us. And uh, it was one of these games where when we have our big guy going, you know, we feel we have a good chance to win that ball game. But uh, again, you know, I, I like to bring up that when we played and now I looked at the strikeouts in this box score again, very minimal. I think yeah. six and four yeah. between the two teams. It was 10, which now uh, that's one team usually. Right. right. Uh, guys put balls in play. They had a lot of speed with Omar Moreno at the top of that lineup. Garner at the bottom, Tim Foley. They could do a lot of things. They hit and ran. They stole bases. So you had to be on top of your game when you played
0: yeah, they were they were one of your nemesis this season in '80. I mean, obviously in '79 they had they had won the division, um, right. and you know it. I, I remember because I was nine at the time. This this rivalry was what helped me fall in love with the game of baseball because you know you had that interstate between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I I even kind of knew where Pittsburgh was at that point, and and I right. knew that the two teams hated each other, and it was so exciting to watch the two teams battle because to your point often fireworks were happening out there on the field because there was not a whole lot of love loss. So
2: no, you know, Murphy, if you, you know, they, they compare now they compare the, uh, the Dodgers and giants, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the yep. Cubs and, and the White Sox and the Cubs and the Cardinals, I should say, if they had that comparison back then, we would have been right up there with, with who we play because the pirates and us, like I said, we didn't like each other and people had <laughs> used to just come out, just to watch, as you said, the fireworks because there was always fireworks. But it was a good rivalry. Everybody respected one another. I mean, there were a lot of times after a game, if there was a a, a, a nightclub that guys hung out at, you go out and say, "Hey, what's going on?" or something like that. But once you put the uniform on, uh, we didn't like them, and they didn't like us.
0: That's the way it should be. There should yeah. be more of that. I, I know. I think. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's get into this one. July twelfth, nineteen eighty. Uh, but the big guy Mike Schmidt in the uh, second inning he's the lead hitter in the second inning and he goes yard number 22 uh, on the season for him at that point one nothing and I feel like we haven't even talked about Mike a whole lot in this uh, in this recap of the 80 season, you know, you knew you were obviously watching a very, very special player as uh, as he went through the 70s. And now you're in 1980. You knew he was a great player. Um, did you know how how great he was at that moment.
2: I'm going to be honest with you, in 80, I knew how great he was. But when he first came up, the one thing that stood out in my mind, he hit under 200, mm-hmm. but you saw the power. You said, wow, this kid's going to be something special. Mike came up, you know, usually when you have a superstar player, they'll get hits every night. He came up with some big-time home runs in 80. Uh, I mean, all through his career, but 80 stands out in my mind uh, because they were game winners. They were late in the game. He, he might have started us out in the first inning with a bomb. Uh, he just a tremendous, tremendous hitter, but more important, he might've been the greatest third baseman. I never seen Brooks Robinson because he was in the American league, but as far as in the national league, uh, this guy made my job easier. He went to his left better than anybody I've ever seen. So that enabled me to move up the middle a little bit, but uh, he knew how to run the bases. He could steal your base. He could hit, you can go first to third. He could score from first on a double, just a tremendous athlete and all the accolades he has received. He definitely deserves because he was, in my mind, the greatest Philly had ever put on a uniform.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh And, uh, you know, so much fun to talk to nowadays. But, man, watching him play back then, it was an absolute treat. Uh All right, Pirates, they strike back in the fourth. Tim Foley, who you mentioned, he singles. And he steals second. Dave Parker singles. So it's uh tied up at one. Then Bill Robinson flies out. And then Bill Madlock walked and two batters later, Phil Garner would single two one pirates at that point, but just the names I just mentioned, Parker Robinson, Madlock, Foley, Garner. I mean, that's the lineup we're talking about here.
2: Yeah. The, uh, you talk about top to bottom. There's no easy outs in that lineup. Phil Garner was a scrappy player. I think he was hitting eighth. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you have a guy like that, that, that can hit line drives all over the field and play a good second base. But uh, the, the thing that stands out there is a, uh, dave parker <laughs> he hated hitting off carlton he hated it but he battled for a single there and uh the one thing he always said he says, you guys all know i can't hit him he literally told a bunch of us guys you know i can't hit him but i'll be a, i'll post up every time we play him <laughs> and uh he did uh, carlton got if you look at the stats overall carlton did get the best of him but he got a big hit there there's no yeah. question about
0: that yeah and guess what you know most players could say that about Steve yeah. carlton right
2: especially I a mean, left-handed hitter
0: <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i can imagine that was a pretty uncomfortable <laughs> at bat at some points uh that's great all right Bake mcbride leads off the uh, bottom of the fourth with a base hit he steals second trio singles makes it two two and what i want to ask you about manny trio is we're going to get a chance to celebrate his career this year down at the ballpark um wall of famer and again coming from the nine-year-old that watched him play and i was a middle infielder just like like you and he uh so i idolized you guys as and Manny was just to me one of the best he was awesome
2: unbelievable a great arm uh smooth as as silk, yes. believe me yeah, this guy could do everything uh another to me unsung hero kim and bake mcbride guys that, that posted up every single night Uh, you knew if there was a double play ball hit to me or the ball would be turned. Uh, He had a tremendous arm. He threw from down by his ankles uh, with, with, I don't mean with a little arc in it. He had some giddy up on it. When he went out for cutoffs and relays, the throws home had something on it. I mean, just very underrated, but he's another guy that posted up and got big hits for us all year.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to see him back at the ballpark. He, we, obviously, uh, last year, he was supposed to be honored. He wasn't able to be honored. Uh, right. So it's going to be good to get him back in 2021 and, and get him up on that wall where he belongs.
2: Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah,
0: no doubt about it. All right. Uh, Pirates uh, regain the lead uh, at 3-2 in the sixth, but in the bottom of the eighth, one out, Greg Gross comes in, pinch hits, gets a base hit. Lonnie Smith singles. Pete Rose doubles. And both runners score. That made it 4-3. Um, again, we've talked about gross and Smith and just when, when asked and called upon in that 80 season, uh, they almost always seem to deliver
2: it, it, unbelievable. And again, you mentioned gross, but, but again, I, I, you know, when I, when I think back on these games, Murph, I look at guys that are on first base on our team, they all scored on doubles. Yes. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, that, that I think was overlooked on our team. We had guys that could run a little bit, myself, okay. Bake McBride, Lonnie Smith. Uh, Greg Gross was, you know, Dell Unser. Those, those guys could score from first base. Schmitty, Bull, even for a big guy, we had guys that had good secondary leads and played fundamental baseball. And you get a ball in the gap at the vet, there's a good chance we're going to score a run. But again, you bring up Gross, I don't know how he did it, uh, sitting on the bench for seven, eight innings. I know Dallas every now and then would get him a, a game where he could get four bats and stay sharp, but I seen him sit there for a week. And all of a sudden, hey, Greg, you're hitting. Sure enough, <laughs> he'll give you a quality at bat every single time. But he, easy, he really worked on his trade. <laughs> he knew what the pitcher tried to do to get him out. Yeah. And he came up big. Him and Unser all year came up big for us.
0: Yeah, I always marvel at great pinch hitters because it is such a difficult thing to do hitting a baseball at the big league level, but to do it once a week (laughs) or two or three times a week, uh, it's got to be that much more challenging. Really, it's
2: a no-win situation. I mean, everyone expects you to get a hit, but the the odds of you getting a hit aren't too good, but he he reversed that during 1980. There's no question about that. Sure did.
0: All right, so Dickie Knowles comes in in the ninth, and that's because Tug McGraw was still down with an injury, and for the most part, when Knowles was called on late in games, he was good. In this one, a little shaky. He hit Lee Lacy to lead off the inning, and then Phil Garner singled, then that was it for Knowles. Out he comes, and in comes Kevin Saucier, someone we haven't talked about yet. He walked John Miller to load the bases, Manny Sanguian grounds into a 4-6-3 double play. So you guys work in your magic there. But the run scores to tie it. uh, Omar Moreno strikes out to end the inning. Uh, So Saucier comes in and does exactly what he needs to do. I mean, it's a tough situation. You allow one run in that situation, you'll take it, right?
2: No question, Murph. But again, we revert back to the the mentality of these guys we call up. This guy, a tough kid, man. Him and Dickie knows we're best of friends. And, but when he went on that mound, he was mean, just like Dickie. (laughs) But again, Dallas, he was not afraid. He brought him in against a very good hitting lineup. He got the double play ground ball Then he got Moreno on a strikeout. But another guy that you count on when you bring him in a game, he didn't care of the situation. He wasn't afraid. And again, I keep reverting back to Paul Owens, a tremendous general manager. And when he brought somebody up, most of the time, they stayed there. There was no up and down, up and down, up and down. And uh, I think that's a tribute to our farm system back then that we made sure guys were ready. And when they came up, they did their job.
0: Yeah. And it's amazing how effective you can be as a ball player when you're pitching with confidence or you're, or you're out there with confidence, even a little cockiness. I mean, it helps in the game of baseball. You need to have that mentality, right?
2: Well, you know what, bro, if I guarantee if you look at that, he probably maybe he might not have had another save opportunity the whole year. I'm not hundred percent on that, but say he did there. I know there was not more than three mm-hmm. or four of them, but the yeah. fact is he came in with, with ice water in his veins and did exactly what he was supposed to do. I, I remember that game because his control wasn't really, really good. And I'm going, wow, this is a big, big test here. <laughs> and then once they loaded the bases, I'm, I'm saying, man, I hope he gets out. And he did, he got out of it, but, uh, yeah. That's the mentality of those those kids at that time when we called them up, they think right. they could care less.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they hand it to you with the tie game into the uh, bottom half of the inning. So now the offense is going to be asked to to pull out some magic. You're facing uh your your buddy Teak Kent Teaklevey is on the mound. Uh, Maddox leads off with a single. At trio singles. You move them over with a sack bunt, which uh, is such an unheard of. Yeah, well, I, we we've seen a couple of them over the last couple of weeks in baseball. Maybe it's starting to come back.
2: I hope it does, Murph.
0: I, I even saw a hit and run the other day, which I, I'm a I know. my chair. I know. So, so that's good to see. So you move them over second and third up steps. Bob Boone, boom, base it, game over. You guys win
2: it. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you ask guys the button now, some guys might take take offense to that. Oh, you, but personally, I knew what my role was. I yeah. knew I didn't even have to look down there. I knew when we had first and second, I knew what I was going to do. I was going to lay down a bunt. And normally, you know, I'm surprised Dallas because he, we might've used all our bullets then, but normally against Teak, he's tough on right handers, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, he stayed with Booney and Booney got the big hit. But again, knowing your roles, knowing what you have to do, there wasn't even a thought in my mind. Uh, like I said, even if I didn't bunt, I was going to bunt anyway, if the bunt wasn't on, but that, that was, that was my role for that team. Right. And you accepted that role. And I think that's why we were successful. Every guy knew what their role was on that team. The big guys in the middle, we're going to hit the bombs. The little guys at the top and at the bottom, get on base for the big guys. And it turned out to be pretty good for us. Yeah.
0: And, and, and on the flip side, catch the baseball, which you, right. you guys were
2: tremendous at. In yeah. The we were really good yeah. at that. Murph. Yeah, we, we, we had a good defensive team. People don't realize we had speed pitching defense and we had some power. So we had all the ingredients to win. It just that we played some teams in the seventies that (laughs) were a little bit better than us. And finally in 80, we started putting everything together.
0: Yeah, certainly it all came together. Well, at that point of the season, you jump a game ahead of the Expos and two and a half games ahead of the pirates. But, uh, it wouldn't last long, Larry. It wouldn't last long. But again, that's a t- that's a conversation for another day. But we appreciate you being here reliving Saturday, July 12th, 1980.
2: All right, Murph. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to down the stretch here. I know. It's, we it's starting to get exciting, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is.
0: All right, Larry. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Okay. Take care.
0: Glove Stories with Murph is presented by Parks Casino Sportsbook app. New users, download an app store or click parkscasino.com slash PA and use the promo code MONEY for first bet, risk-free, up to $500. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Glove Stories with Murph is presented by Parks Casino Sportsbook app and is a production of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of our major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2021 Major League Baseball season.